Welcome to Healthy Planet, Healthy You with Jimena Yanez and Lorenzo Rosenzweig. Over the next hour, you'll discover unique ideas and perspectives about how to improve your health and the planet as well. Now, here are your hosts, Jimena and Lorenzo. Hello, hello, and bienvenidos. Thank you for tuning in to Healthy Planet, Healthy You. I'm so excited to be here with you. My name is Jimena Yanez. I'm an author, a health coach, a Reiki and biomagnetism therapist, and I am the mom of two, and I have a dream to make this a better place for future generations. Hello. Good morning. I am Lorenzo Rosenzweig, and I am a grandfather of six, a watercolor artist, also a writer and a photographer, and I have more than 40 years of experience as an environmentalist. I am so happy to be here. How are you today, Jimena? I'm very good. Thank you, Lorenzo. I'm so ready for the summer. I can't wait. How about you? I can't believe it's already May. Look so much forward to swimming again, maybe diving. Warm weather will make us appreciate the blessing of the contrast of the seasons. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So today we'll talk about eco-anxiety and other anxiety-related conditions regarding the climate crisis. I'm thrilled that young and committed college students will join us to talk about how they feel, how they see their future, and what actions they are taking to make this a better planet. Our goal is to help you understand what is really going on, considering there's a lot of conflicting information out there. We want you to exercise your right to decide for yourself. So, we offer facts that you can double-check later on your own. To make important changes in your life, like losing weight or preparing your body to run a marathon, you need to measure your starting point Decide where you want to go and then quantify your improvement. So allow us to tell you the story of how we got into this environmental and health crisis. What are the odds if we fail to act during the next seven to 10 years? And what are the things you can do for personal benefit and at the same time to support global efforts towards a healthy planet? In the last episode, we reviewed how human pressure on Earth became a game changer. A new geological epoch was born, the Anthropocene. This name means the age of humans, as we are the primary drivers of change on the planet. And even though some people keep denying it, impacts relating to climate change and other environmental concerns are increasing in magnitude and frequency. Think about this. If it seems that a new disaster is happening every day, that's because it is. We have already exceeded four of the eight planetary boundaries that allowed civilization to thrive. And we have created the conditions for this planet to support life as we know it. I will remind you of the four boundaries we have already exceeded. One, stable climate. Two, sufficient land cover. Three, functional ecosystems and their biodiversity, and four, nutrients flow. And we are rapidly approaching tipping points like the hydrological stress, acidification of disease, and pollution. Mm -hmm. But we already know that we can make things change for good 
for which I feel very optimistic. There is one boundary, right, Lorenzo, where we're moving in the right direction. Yes, we talked about this in previous programs. Uh, the discovery of the Antarctic ozone hole in 1980 raised global concern and scientific warnings translated into political actions to phase out the chemicals that were provoking it. Interestingly, when the ozone hole was discovered, it was already high in the danger zone, but joint work, political will, and the vision for the common good allowed it to return to safety. Yeah, we did great with that one. And you know, it's comforting to know that together we can solve huge challenges. However, we're not done yet. We've done well with one, but we have already crossed four boundaries and are still on the verge of the remaining three. If we don't make radical changes to not only stop, but also reverse the damage, we'll shift the planet into a state that is unable to support our own civilization. Yes, take this into consideration, Jimena. Even during the Holocene, which was an age where climate was predictable, there had been extreme weather events on the planet. This means that extreme events alone don't mean a damage to the balance of the planet or a risk to our survival as a species. However, what is changing is the intensity and frequency of climate-related events as a direct result of accumulated greenhouse gases in the atmosphere. Yeah, and unless you have been disconnected from social media and the news, you must have heard or seen increased record high temperatures, heat waves, droughts all over the planet, severe deforestation, catastrophic forest fires consuming extensions of land, hundreds of cities flooded every year, uh, weather phenomena that get more devastating through time, and things related to the ice, accelerated ice melt and the collapse of many glaciers. And even if you feel these events are happening far, far away from you, it just means you have been immensely lucky. The possibility of us being here is because of a very sophisticated and delicate balance in ecosystems, almost improbable coincidences. But we are disturbing that balance, and without it, the conditions that support our own life will be gone. And what's heartbreaking is that all these disturbances on the planet have an impact on our health. Yes, we are also seeing an increase in air pollution, the accumulation of garbage in the oceans, the decline of coral reef systems, rise, rising sea levels along coastlines worldwide due to the melting of Greenland and Antarctica's ice sheets, water stress, and water shortages that affect billions of people. The overexploitation of natural resources and the loss of species, just to mention others. And besides all these events affecting the planet and our health, they could also trigger social and economic disturbances like massive migration, the spread of disease, food scarcity, or worldwide war conflicts. Scientists have issued warnings, but we have not moved in the right direction as quickly as we should. I am hoping that you really understand that threats to the state of the planet are direct threats to you. Earth is our home, our greatest life-providing source. 
And if you realize this, it's normal that you feel uneasiness in the face of this ecological crisis. But don't despair because there are many things you can do to feel better while becoming part of the solution to this global emergency. So, without any further ado, welcome to today's episode where we will talk about confidence, positivity, connecting with nature, and your personal power, because there are still many things you can do to become part of the movement that will return this planet to its wonderful and delicate balance. Yeah, there are so many things we can do. But the first step is understanding and accepting your feelings. So if you can, close your eyes. If you're not driving, for example, close your eyes and take a moment to think about the current condition of a planet. Keep this image in your mind and take another moment to visualize your future. Maybe your family's future. Perhaps if you're feeling extra caring and compassionate, you could think about the babies that are being born today. Can you see them in 15, 20 years? I feel you. You know, there's only so much you can do because you're just you. And in the face of these massive events, it's clear to you that one person is not enough to make the substantial changes needed to reverse what's happening. I know this feeling. I felt it many times. Exacerbated fear, stress, and anxiety that take away the joy of living and make you feel vulnerable, powerless, and unheard. So take a deep breath in and out. Remember that a constant feeling of anxiety can lead you to chronic stress, which ends up hurting your immune system and down-regulating your rest and digest response. So if you're closing your eyes, keep them closed. We will do a humming exercise to calm your nervous system. There is a reason why mothers and grandmothers naturally hum to babies, especially when they're in distress or cannot sleep. Before we start, maybe you could bring your left hand to your heart and your right hand on top of your left. Humming will quiet your mind very gently. It does not have to be loud. You could do it very quietly, almost in silence. Humming soothes your energy. As a pranayama practice, it is known as brahmari. So keep your mouth closed during your inhalations and exhalations. And while exhaling, make the sound of a bee. So resonate the outgoing breath on your upper palate and nose. And depending on how powerful you want to make it, you might feel the vibration in the back of your eyes and the crown of your head. And you could just hum just a simple sound or something more elaborated, like a lullaby. Many years ago, my cousin Elvira showed me a beautiful Galician song that I keep using for my own quieting. As I recall, the lyrics talk about the feeling of missing your home and longing to come back. Let me hum it for you as an example. So you feel invited to do so whenever you need to soothe and calm. Take a breath in. Mm -hmm. 
Now, take a deep inhale and a long exhale. And if you had your eyes closed, open them. Wow. I really appreciate these exercises, Jimena. They are soothing and refreshing, and you can practice them almost anytime and anywhere. Thank you. <laughs> Well, going back to our subject of today, this uneasiness you might be feeling has been named eco-anxiety, and it refers to persistent worries about the future of the planet and our own lives. The American Psychological Association describes it as the chronic fear of environmental disaster as a consequence of climate change and other threats, and the concerns for your future and that of next generations. It is a source of stress caused by assessing the threatening events that are unfolding before your eyes. Some people think of these perceived threats as being rooted in far-fetched irrational fears. However, as climate change is scientifically undeniable and a real risk to our survival, it is rational to worry about it. Yes. And the way your body responds is by activating its survival instinct. According to APA, the American Psychological Association, 68% of adults living in the U.S. say they feel at least a little eco-anxiety, and about half of those between the ages of 18 and 34 say that their stress surrounding climate change affects their daily lives. Yeah, and, and let me jump in here to explain something. Anxiety is a normal, rational reaction to things or events that may disturb your comfort or security or may be dangerous. We evolve to may have this normal and useful reaction to keep ourselves safe. Given the environmental and climate challenges in today's world, eco-anxiety is perfectly rational because environmental challenges are threats to our long-term security. However, Eco-anxiety does not affect everyone equally. For example, if your community has been affected by climate change, eco-anxiety may reflect distress about experiencing the health impacts of the exposure to environmental toxins. Hearing about the effects of climate change is one thing. Living through them is quite another. But maybe your eco-anxiety shows up as fear about surviving climate change, disasters, or maybe it makes you questions, question whether you want to start a family. It's normal to feel different degrees of uncertainty because we are all different. There are also particularly vulnerable groups like indigenous groups, some cities and towns in coastal regions, socioeconomically disadvantaged communities, and people with disabilities or chronic health concerns. Eco-anxiety is generally used to explain 
negative emotions experienced in the face of environmental problems, particularly grief, anxiety, or hopelessness. But this anxiety can be an appropriate, even valuable response to climate change challenges. Exactly. Manageable anxiety can be a driver to actions when there's a real problem. Anxiety is your survival man saying, hey, this is a threatening situation. Pay attention. Anxiety can be an active force that leads us to take action. How worried you are about climate change is strongly associated with how likely you are to take effective actions. Important and worrisome issues prompt us into taking the best and the most appropriate choices. Yeah, my father used to say, don't preoccupy, occupy yourself. He's always talking about doing something to keep ourselves useful. He calls it occupational therapy because taking even the smallest action is therapeutic. But in face of current events around the world, emotions are not only related to anxiety. Besides eco-anxiety, there is also ecological or climate grief an emotion of sorrow over the current and or future loss of wildlife populations or natural environments, as well as traditions or ethnic ways of life. Ecological grief is also known as solastalgia, a neologism formed by the combinations of the Latin words solasium, comfort, relief, soothing, and the Greek root algia, pain. Solastalgia describes a form of emotional or existential distress caused by environmental change. This feeling implies two main stages. First, the mourning process for what is gone and can be recovered. And second, acceptance of your loss and your new reality. Acceptance helps you reduce anxiousness and become at peace with what it is. But yes. let us go for a break and we will continue with this after a few minutes. Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Do you want to have control over your eating decisions, your life, and your and your family's health? Do you wish to take action that benefits the planet, humanity, and generations to come? Healthy Planet, Healthy You offers a unique opportunity to increase the public's awareness of vital environmental and health issues while sharing easy-to-apply habits that can change the world. A book you cannot miss. Find it on Amazon. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Functional Medicine with Dr. Robbins looks at how natural healing and biological dentistry can safely and effectively treat most health problems. You'll hear about the innovations in both traditional and alternative medicine therapies with doctors and dentists, along with discussions with chiropractors, medical experts, homeopaths, naturopaths, and energetic healers. It's great to have all the best information in one place. And Functional Medicine with Dr. Robbins brings it all together. Listen Thursdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, on Voice 
America Health and Wellness. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Healthy Planet, Healthy You with Jimena Yanez and Lorenzo Rosenzweig. Have a question for Jimena and Lorenzo or their guests? Join us on the show at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Now back to the show. Welcome back. This episode is all about eco-anxiety. We are very happy and excited to have three college students from Colorado University at Boulder joining us for this segment. They graciously agreed to share with us their thoughts and feelings regarding climate change, eco-anxiety, and the future we can expect if we don't make the needed changes. Yeah, so welcome, Natasha, Margo, and Camila. Thank you for being with us today. We're so interested in your points of view. So first of all, can each one of you tell us your name so we get to know your voice? Where are you from originally? Uh, what are you studying and what are you passionate about? So what, what about doing that in this order? First Natasha, then Margot and Camila at the end. Yeah, of course. So I'll start off. Um, my name is Natasha Viznak. Um, I'm from Bend, Oregon, but originally born in Steamboat Springs, Colorado. Um, I'm currently a business major with philosophy and German minors. Um, and for me, I'm really passionate about using for-profits and nonprofit and governmental sectors um, to create lasting and effective change, especially regarding the climate crisis. Um, that and cross-country mountain biking. So. Perfect. Thank you. Margo. Hi, I'm Margo. Um, I am from Colorado Springs, Colorado. I am studying aerospace engineering with a minor in computer science. Um, and I'm very, very passionate about furthering my community and uh, putting us very far away from where we currently are. Perfect. Thank you, Camila. Hi, um, I'm Camila Rodriguez, and I'm originally from Mexico City, uh, Mexico. And I'm currently doing a double major with vocal performance and business. And I'm really passionate about um, music, <laughs> art, and yes, that's, those are mine. Perfect. Thank you so much. <laughs> great, great. What a privilege to have you here. So here goes the first question for Natasha. In your own words, how would you describe the climate crisis. How does that make you feel, Natasha? Yeah, great question. So I would describe the climate crisis as this ongoing worldwide crisis. Um, it really started uh, or picked up speed around a century ago um, that affects us on both individual and large-scale levels, um, that only collective action, especially multinational action, um, from all sectors, from for-profit, non-profit, and government, um, only that collective action will ever be able to really resolve it. Um, and for me, I am cautiously optimistic about the climate crisis, um, just because I think that there are amazing strategies that we can all use in order to combat this um, pretty existential crisis. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you. Um, Margot, 
Can you tell us? Are you taught about anything of this at CU Boulder? And if yes, do you have meaningful discussions? Do CU Boulder facilitates meaningful discussions? And if yes, uh, are you able to voice how you feel? It's not just having the discussions. It's are you allowed to express your feelings uh, regarding this crisis you're inheriting? Yeah, it's a wonderful question. It's a very um, interesting application inside of aerospace engineering uh, as far as uh, the actual like ability of aerospace engineers to contribute to Uh, lowering our carbon emissions, uh, having better footprints and everything like that. It's, uh, we don't really talk about it as much as I might like, but it is discussed in some way. It's not ignored. Um, I don't, I wouldn't say we have really meaningful discussions, at least within my major, but there are a lot of different events uh, university-wide to discuss these sort of things. Um, I feel like, at least within my major, we don't really get to talk about and work with the, cli the climate crisis enough uh, for my personal taste, but I do think that the school is doing a fair amount. Perfect. And what about the feelings? Uh, are there settings where you can express your feelings? Absolutely, yeah. With some of the climate discussions that the university provides, uh, there, is a, there is a place for discussions and expressing how each one of us are individually affected by the situation. Perfect, thank you. Camila, now a question for you. Um, and I know that you are from Mexico City, um, same as me, so <laughs> we share that, that origin. Let me ask you, have you ever lived through extreme weather events? And what was your feeling when you when you when they happened when when you lived through them? Can you tell us about if, it? If she lived through <laughs> through them, right? <laughs> Well, I think Mexico City. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yes, um, because I did live in Mexico City for a while. Um, the things regarding climate crisis that most stood out to me, at least when I was that young, um, were especially there were times when we were not allowed to go outside for recess because the contamination in the air and just the index of it was way too high for us to be breathing any harder than like just walking. Um, and we were kept indoors for that reason. That really struck me because it didn't only affect our day as young elementary school students. Um, it also just showed how badly of a climate crisis we have and it affected everyone regardless of what age they were. And That was Mexico, but in Colorado, I also experienced, I'm pretty sure it was 2021, last year, maybe 2020, there were a lot of martial fires happening in California as well as Colorado. It was a very dry year. And we had a day where you could not see the mountains in Colorado, which is not normal. And the sky was basically red due to so much ash. Um, and that was a more extreme version of what I had experienced in Mexico, but nevertheless, they were both affecting our ability to go about our daily lives and basically breathe. Thank you, Camila. Thank you, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, Natasha, <laughs> let, let me ask you this. During the day, what is the frequency of your thoughts uh, related to weather and climate ev uh, events around the world? 
Um, are these thoughts affecting your daily life? Do they keep you awake at night? Yeah, I think um, I think my frequency of thought related to um, weather and climate change around the world is definitely dictated uh, based on whether or not I listen to the news first thing in the morning. But um, I'd say I have um, I definitely think about climate change decently frequently, at least a couple times a day. I'm not sure if it necessarily keeps me up at night typically, um, but there is this kind of this acute awareness um, of the climate crisis as I'm moving throughout my day, especially in a place like Boulder, um, which, as Margo pointed out, has a lot of events and a lot of discourse around the climate crisis. Um, so it's always kind of in the backdrop of my day and of my thoughts, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Okay, perfect. Thank you. Interesting. Inter- very interesting. Margot, question for you. Would you say you have eco-anxiety to some degree? And if the answer is yes, can you describe the symptoms? Is there anything that you have learned that helps you cope with those symptoms? Are there programs in CEU Boulder that help students manage their eco-anxiety? Absolutely. Uh, wonderful question. I would say that I definitely have some eco-anxiety. I don't think I'm debilitated by it in any way, but I do experience some. As far as my symptoms, it does really affect how I think very frequently. I, Whenever I think about my desired work of aerospace engineering, I think about like the different applications of like fuel burning and all that stuff and like it always occurs to me that this is an imperfect system that is damaging our planet, especially with planes and the carbon emissions that those are responsible for. It really changes how I think about my industry and at times can tamper some of my passion about it because I'm hesitant to lean into this wonderful career that I've chosen because I'm worried about what it'll mean for future generations. And honestly, myself at this point, because the effects of climate change are already ramping up as far as the warm winters that we've been having in Colorado and otherwise, Um, as far as like what I've learned to cope with these symptoms, I I don't really think I have really learned anything to cope with them. I've been exposed to these um, like very important things to me, and I've had them in my mind since I was quite young at this point, and I don't think I've ever really fully addressed, like maybe I should have some work with this. Um, And as far as at CU Boulder managing eco-anxiety, I really can't say. Um, I haven't looked into it enough. And honestly, uh, getting ready to do this podcast and looking into this sort of um, field of thought has really changed my perspective and is, is making me lean towards pursuing some of those resources. Thank you, Marco. This This is so interesting. Um, You're studying uh, aerospace engineer and you're starting to ask yourself, what about the fuel? What about what we're using? So it's very interesting to to listen to your thoughts regarding this this issue. So, Camila, this is for you. Um, Do you talk about climate change with your parents or family? And if you do, what do you talk about? Um, let's see, for me, yes, I do talk about climate change things with my parents and my family just because my mom has always been um, educated in this sector. She worked for uh, 
an environmental fund a couple of years ago, and she's done a lot of research regarding the environment and how can we and how we can diminish our carbon footprint and just the effects we have on the planet. So this is a daily activity that we have in my family. It's just instilled within my family to be aware of the climate crisis and how can we diminish our carbon footprint. For example, we do recycling. We reuse plastic bags. We don't throw away paper bags. Um, we make sure to diminish, um, uh, let's see, animal products in our meals um, and just things like that. So we do have discussions about the climate and I feel that me and my sister are very exposed to it just because our parents have always been aware of this and they've taught us about it. Good, good. As, as a complimentary question to that, Camila, um, and, and you have answered it partially already, but, but tell me, how do you describe your personal approach to the climate crisis? And, and, and I see that you're already taking action. Uh, some people are in then avoidance move move can you elaborate a little bit more on that uh, do you have been at some times in your life in this avoidance mood or or have you met people in that mood yeah for sure um even though i do take action with little things every day that i can do to diminish my carbon footprint i'm actually in denial myself um i feel that the environmental anxiety is so great that I can't really think about it too much. I, I do think about my actions. That's what I think about and how it might be benefiting the environment, but I can't think about the environment as the bigger picture of what it is and what is happening. So I myself, I'm, I'm currently in denial um, about what's actually happening out there. And yes, to elaborate on that, I've met several people who are either not educated enough to be aware of their own actions or they are aware, but they're in denial as well, so they choose not to take actions to diminish their own carbon footprint. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of young people in denial, in avoidance. Yeah, thank you so much, Camila. So, Margo, do you connect with the planet? And if you connect with the planet, what are the things you do to connect? Absolutely. Um, I'm a very, very outdoorsy person, I'd say. I like, I like being outside, going places, experiencing this wonderful climate. Um, that we currently have, and also the wonderful opportunities that I have to be outside in Boulder. Um, I am a big fan of mountain biking, perhaps not to the degree of Natasha, but I do like riding a bike um, outside, just being out in nature. Um, I go on hikes whenever I can, and I also am a big fan of fly fishing, and I love just being surrounded by nature in that way. I would say that... Um, I, I think the best way that I can connect is honestly just being immersed in it. Camping, uh, sitting outside and reading a book like by a river if I ever have the opportunity to. Uh, just spending time in the world makes me feel so much more connected with the wonderful ecology that's around me. I love the term outdoorsy person. I really love that term, Margot. <laughs> and yes, many of us are outdoorsy persons, and, and you're in the right place for fly fishing and mountain bike. Natasha, here a question for you. How does the idea of the world, and that includes me and many other people from other generations, expecting you, Generation Z, 
to be the generation that fixes the environmental problems that we all have created. How does that make you feel? Yeah, when I really sit and ponder that, that obligation or that um, expectation, it instantly is very anxiety-provoking. Um, it instantly feels like we as a generation have been, you know, this crisis has been placed on our shoulders without us asking and without us contributing to the same degree that other generations have contributed and that we haven't been as wise, been alive for as long. Um, however, I would say that once I ponder that obligation and that uh, expectation, I do think that it's, um, we do have a path forward just because I know that our generation is such a climate conscious generation and the, and that even though this obligation feels like a bit of an injustice, I do have confidence that we will be able to take at least some meaningful actions and at least, you know, carry at least some of this burden, even as we work with older generations to fix this crisis. Yeah. Yeah. You're absolutely right, Natasha. You just inherit a big, big problem. So we're approaching to our next break. So I have a question for the three of you. Um, let's do it in this order. First Camila, then Margo, and then Natasha. So do you think we can still hope for the best? And what makes you hopeful? So starting Camila. Um, I'm not entirely sure factually I can say we can hope for the best. And again, this is me sitting in denial. But... Um, I would like to be hopeful, and I am hopeful that change will come and people will open their eyes as they see, see things happening and they start to experience it in their own daily lives, and that will instill change in everyone because there truly needs to be a mass movement if we do want to create lasting change. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Camila. Margo? I think that I am a little bit, like locked up with this sort of thing. I, it's scary to me because uh, some of the research that we're seeing is saying that like with the rate we're going, if we don't make a big change soon, we might not ever be able to get um, our global temperature to go back to what is normal or what should have been occurring without the influence of humans. Um, and that scares me. I, I think we can hope for okay at the very least. Um, I, What makes me really hopeful is our new generation starting to work into the government and work into these places with our much more climate-focused minds and how we might be able to do more than perhaps some of the previous administrations and otherwise did. Thank you. Thank you, Margot. Natasha, very quickly. Yeah, I think that I kind of agree with Margot and Camila. I think that um, based on statistical evidence, maybe we don't have a ton of hope Um, however, I personally refuse to live in a place of hopelessness, and I think that, um, as both of them pointed out, our generation has a lot of momentum, and positive yeah. momentum and forward-looking momentum, and so all we can do is hope because that's our best path forward as a generation. Yeah. Well, thank you, Natasha, Margo, and Camila, for sharing with us Gen C's voice and how you feel about the current environmental threats. So when we come back, we will talk about the things you can do to feel better and be part of the global efforts. So stay tuned. Voice America is on LinkedIn. 
Connect with us today. Do you want to have control over your eating decisions, your life, and your and your family's health? Do you wish to take action that benefits the planet, humanity, and generations to come? Healthy Planet, Healthy You offers a unique opportunity to increase the public's awareness of vital environmental and health issues while sharing easy-to-apply habits that can change the world. A book you cannot miss. Find it on Amazon. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Resiliency is the human capacity to lean into individual and collective strengths with compassion and grit when faced with the challenges of lived experience. Join host Elaine miller Karras for Resiliency Within, a program of hope and healing designed to inspire you to integrate wellness into your life, your family, and your community. In challenging times, you'll want to tune in every week. Resiliency Within can be heard every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Healthy Planet, Healthy You with Jimena Yanez and Lorenzo Rosenzweig. Have a question for Jimena and Lorenzo or their guests? Join us on the show at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Now back to the show. Welcome back. If you're tuning in, we have been talking about eco-anxiety. Before the break, three wonderful college students shared with us how they feel regarding climate change, eco-anxiety, and the future we can expect if we don't make the needed changes. So if you're wondering if you have eco-anxiety, let's do a quick test. I'll ask some questions and answer yes or no to those questions. Have you experienced firsthand climate-related events? Number two. Do you feel guilt or shame related to your own carbon footprint? Number three, do you feel anger or frustration, particularly towards people who are not taking climate change seriously or those that are contributing to environmental degradation? Number four, do you have a tense relationship with friends, romantic partners, or family for not holding the same views on climate change? Five, do you stay awake at night having obsessive thoughts or thinking about fatalistic outcomes due to climate change? Six, are you constantly afraid about the future of the planet and of humanity? Do you feel overwhelmed by the extent of the potential consequences? And number seven, do you feel powerless and experience feelings of hopelessness and despair related to environmental issues? Have you ever thought, we are screwed? So if you answered yes to one or more of these questions, then yes, you are experiencing eco-anxiety to some degree. And depending on how you manage yourself, symptoms can be different. That's why it's very important to notice if your stress about climate and the future is provoking sleeping problems, eating disorders, concentration difficulties, 
drinking on, or, or other addictions, if you're going through any of those, you might need to seek support from a professional. Yes, Jimena, well said. If your normal life, if your normal daily life has been impacted, the best thing you can do is consult a medical professional to determine if you are suffering from generalized anxiety disorder, also known as GAD. It's important to note that eco-anxiety is not currently listed as a medical condition, but GAD is, and it's possible to develop GAD as a child or an adult, and the symptoms are similar to panic disorder, obsessive compulsive disorder, and other types of anxiety. Yes, children experience eco-anxiety too. So younger children might struggle to understand the process and process these complicated emotions. If you worry that discussing climate change will make your kids feel worse, don't. Talking through fear often helps reduce its intensity. If you have young children, make the space to discuss the things that are happening and may alter their future. This will allow them to begin the process of understanding and expressing their concerns. Make them feel their worry is acknowledged and let them know that you're feeling it too. Listen to their questions and offer age-appropriate fact-based answers. If they ask something you can't answer, do some research instead, instead of giving vague responses. Accurate information can help you and your kids to feel more control. Use trustworthy sources and analyze the information together. Invite your kids to strategize a plan for your contribution to healing the planet. Purpose and strategy improve resiliency in kids. Committing to environmentally friendly practices can help lessen your eco-anxiety and the family effort can make a difference for your children. Together, you can agree, for example, to adjust the thermostat by a few degrees and dress more warmly indoors in the cold season, cycle or walk to school and work, shop at thrift stores instead of purchasing new items, reduce your animal protein consumption and eat more plants and um, vegetables, start a backyard garden, or get creative with leftovers to reduce food waste. In a future episode, we will be talking about food waste, an incredibly important uh, thing that you can do to reduce it. Yeah, and make these agreements, write them down, stick them to the fridge so the family can return to them anytime. Another excellent way to get kids involved is by providing them with opportunities to enjoy nature. This helps them become more familiar with the natural world. Yes. Now going back to, to, to this uh, outdoorsy person <laughs> definition, I really like that definition. Gets me my memories back when I was a kid. And yes, I I had lots of contact with nature. I sought contact with nature. When I was a kid, and this is a nice memory, I had the most amazing adventures. I close my eyes and I see myself as a 10-year-old in a panga. That's a small boat with an outboard motor in the Gulf of Mexico in the middle of a storm. How we got there, that's the funny part. Uh, we were visiting an island, sort of like a, a wild vacation. Three kids, um, uh, family friends that were taking care of us kids because my father, my father and my mother were not precisely outdoorsy persons. And and well, to make this story short, 
we capsized very close to the island. We had to swim to the shore. And to that, to us, that was the most amazing experience. There were no casualties in this event, just a few boxes of cookies and the fishing rod. But the experience made us feel like true explorers. And to this day, I can, I can recreate in my mind all the details of our mini shipwreck, always at hand in my treasure chest of memories when I need a dose of enthusiasm and memories about the outdoors. Yeah, that's a wonderful memory, Lorenzo. So yeah, children who experience what nature has to offer them will likely develop a stronger determination to protect and restore their natural environments. So look at you, Lorenzo, that's what actually happened. Kids will also understand how nature can promote well-being and emotional health, which will protect them against eco-anxiety. Yes, precisely happens that during the Anthropocene, we have lost contact with nature. The statistics are disturbing. Kids and, of course, adults spend very little time enjoying the outdoors. American and British children today spend less than half the time their par parents spent outdoors. Several books look into this disturbing disconnection. May I recommend Richard Loeb's narrative in Last Child in the Woods or The Nature Fix by Florence Williams? More on nature's healing capacity in future episodes, but now let's talk about the things you can do to release disturbing eco-anxiety. The first most important thing is focus on what you can control, starting by yourself. Make sure you are getting adequate sleep, eating healthy foods, moving your body, and engaging in any restorative practices, extending your breath or humming. By taking care of yourself, you can remain engaged and more effectively take meaningful action. Yeah, take action. There are many ways to do so. For example, calculating your carbon footprint. This can give you a better idea of ways to reduce your impact. There are many calculators in the internet. It's important to know where you are, to know where you want to go, and to start. So a calculator is a great tool. So the important thing is to start, even if you think your own efforts are nothing more than a drop of water in the ocean. Certainly, no single person can solve the threat of climate change alone, because it's a large-scale problem that requires global commitment. But you and every single action you take to reduce your carbon footprint will be part of this global commitment. Being part of the solution creates a sense of being useful and valuable. Yes, Jimena, connect with a group of concerned individuals who are also committed. Join local groups with similar concerns and supports, and support also your locally grown produce. Working with others who also want to protect the environment can increase your feelings of connection, boost resilience, and create a shared sense of optimism and hope. Perform your life in diverse groups in different ways, as a parent, sibling, worker, friend, environment enthusiast, or a writer if you have the gift of narrative. A balanced life is healthier than one dominated by a single role or concern. If you feel empowered to write to your local politicians, go ahead and do so. Many voices ring louder than one voice alone. And efforts to protect community green spaces like parks, natural reservoirs, and protected areas have a higher chance of success when we stand together as a community. Today, 
individuals have more power than any time in history. We don't need to convince 100% of the people. History shows that engaging a threshold of less than 5% of any population is enough to start a movement for change. Yeah, what, what an interesting figure, the power of consensus. Another thing you can do is be aware of avoidance because while it may provide some short-term anxiety relief, it, it exacerbates worry in the long run. So instead of that, uh, use climate change, this, this fear, this eco-anxiety as fuel. Make climate change a factor in your decisions around what you eat, what you, how you travel, what you buy. Uh, talk about climate change with your friends and family and take pers personal actions to feel at peace. Uh, protect those around you, the, the people you love, and set limits on how much bad news you consume. It's okay if you're not focused on the environment 24-7. In fact, that might be better. If you feel guilty over past behaviors, forgive yourself and commit to better choices. Feelings of guilt and shame can go hand in hand with feelings of powerlessness. Mm -hmm. So have compassion for yourself and others. You are only one person and there's only so much a single person can do. If you feel injured, use it towards action and get involved in solutions. Spend time in a natural setting like beaches, hiking trails, mountains, rivers, or lakes to help you recharge, reduce stress, improve your mood, and strengthen your relationship with the environment. It is also a reminder of what we still have and the beauty and healing benefits of nature. Yeah. Finding hope and compassion can actually help you be a more effective champion for the environment. Yeah, Lorenzo, you're right. We're approaching to the end of this episode. So let's do a quick recap on the things you can do to reduce or use your eco-anxiety as fuel. Talk to your children and include them in the family decisions. Number two, focus on what you can control. Number three, reduce your carbon footprint. Start by calculating it. Number four, connect with people with similar interests. Your voices can be deafening. Number five, avoid avoidance and let climate change be an important factor of your decisions. Number six, forgive yourself and others. Number seven, use anger towards action. And number eight, try to spend as much time as you can outdoors. I really like these takeaways, Jimena. They are practical and easy to understand. Yeah. Well, I'm so excited about next week's conversation, climate change. Thank you, Lorenzo. Talking to you is one of the highs of my day. Thank you for tuning in and joining us in casual conversations about health and nature in Healthy Planet, Healthy You. Nos vemos la próxima semana. We hope you join us next week. Hasta la próxima. Bye for now. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Healthy Planet, Healthy You with Jimena Yanez and Lorenzo Rosenzweig. We hope you've learned something new today that can help you in your life and how to make this a better planet. Until next time, have a healthy and regenerative week.